Morning. Happy New Year. As Rob said, uh, I'm a missionary supported by the church. It's really good to be home with you all. Uh, we're so glad that you chosen to worship with us here at Grace this morning. And excited for where the Lord will take us this morning in our sermon. I want to start off with one uh, simple question. Uh, it might sound like a silly question to ask of a church on Sunday morning. But the question is this, <clears throat> do you need Jesus today? Do you need Jesus today? As you think about what you are um, trusting God for, as you think about your daily responsibilities at home, at work, at church, in your family, as you think about your New Year's resolutions, your goals for 2020, do you need Jesus? If he doesn't show up, would you be able to do these things, accomplish these things without him? I think that we might not say this out loud, but many of us, I would venture to guess, we functionally live as though we are smart enough, capable enough, skilled enough to pull off these day-to-day -day tasks in our life without him. And if you're anything like me, you know, we're only, what, five days in to 2020. I'm already feeling overwhelmed by the needs of the new year. And I think this is one of the big issues that Paul can help us with here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So let's read together. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. This is the word of God. Therefore... Having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you this morning. Pray that you would give us insight, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us to see our need for Jesus, that we would bring those needs to you so that the power of Christ may rest on us, each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So we arrived in Tokyo, um, first in Japan and Tokyo, about five years ago. And <clears throat> this, our first year in Japan was a pretty dark season. We were trying to learn a new language, trying to learn a new culture. It was very hard. We were mourning the loss of missing a lot of friends, family, missing our church that we love so much here in Houston. 
and we were having to learn how to face need in, in a new way that we had never had to do before as a family. You know, I'm, I'm used to feeling pretty competent, pretty competent as an adult. I'm used to working hard and being able to accomplish things to produce results when I really set my mind to them. But we hit this really dark season in our early years in Japan where I questioned that, uh, I questioned whether or not I was going to be able to do anything worthwhile. Was I, able, was I able to do anything good for God's kingdom in Japan? And so overnight, I went from being a competent adult with a master's degree, someone respected by some people in America, overnight went from that state to having to live and operate and speak and understand things at the level of a child in Japan. felt very weak and needy and very vulnerable, and I didn't like it. And on top of that, our oldest daughter, Zoe, uh, we were sending her to Japanese school, kindergarten, and then she went on to first and second grade. And we were told that just send her to school, she'll pick up Japanese, no problem. And she faithfully went in to school day in and day out in a culture and language that was completely foreign to her. Uh, and learning Japanese was not so easy for her. She didn't pick it up like we were told to expect. And we weren't sure what to do. We didn't know what to do, but we knew that we didn't like it. We hadn't signed up to be missionaries to travel all the way across the world just to be helpless and weak and needy. And I think the truth is we all hate feeling weak and needy and helpless. And I think there can be a lot of ways that this might manifest itself in our lives. Maybe you found yourself depressed in financial need. You found yourself out of control or unable to understand some of the circumstances in your life, in your home, at your work. Maybe you are emotionally weak, feeling not well-liked, insecure, unsuccessful, burdened by responsibilities at work or at the end of your rope with the kids. Our need in this life, I think, can take any number of different forms. And because we've grown up in a fallen world, we run from this. We claw our way out of it any way that we can, or we numb ourselves from it because we fail to see all the ways that the Lord means to work in our lives through our need. And this is one of the big themes of Second Corinthians, that Christ's power is made perfect in our weakness. That when we are broken, when we are ne- weak and needy, we're actually right where the Lord wants us to be. Because these needs are meant to be messengers of his grace to us. They are part of the ways that he is working in us. Part of the ways that he is working through us in a broken world. So I want to discuss two quick temptations that Paul addresses here. Temptations that we face as we pursue authentic living as Christian people in the world today. And the first temptation he addresses in verses 1 and 2 is that we are tempted to be ashamed of our need. By the time Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church, he had had a lot of ups and downs with them. He had planted this church years ago, um, and Corinth at this time was, was a wealthy, it was a thriving port city. Similar to our own culture, they had the view that if you worked hard enough, with enough hard work and good fortune, someone from evil, even 
humble origins could climb the social ladder and hold a position that demanded honor and recognition. And this may have been one of the reasons why Paul had become such a a contentious figure. Of course, the group that was there when when he planted the church, they loved him. But a, a new group of people had come into the church that didn't have the same kind of admiration for Paul. And they looked down on him and they even despised him because he was an undignified tent maker. He was a blue-collar worker. And they looked down on him because of his weak physical presence. They looked down on him because of his low social status. And his biggest opponents were those who came into the church to challenge his authority. And Paul later in the letter, he facetiously calls them the super apostles. He's making fun of them. They were false teachers. who They were highly skilled in rhetoric. They charged vast sums of money for their preaching. And they taught a false gospel that might not have been so different than the prosperity gospel that is so common in our world today. And what they did to attack Paul is that they used his weaknesses against him. And what Paul says is, no, 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 you guys don't get it. Weakness and need are part of what qualifies me to be an apostle, not my competence. Weakness and need are, in fact, a very important part of the Christian experience. We're tempted to be ashamed of our need. But Paul says here in verse 1 that the only reason he has a ministry is by the mercy of God. He emphasizes that he doesn't deserve this ministry. Remember, Paul was a murderer of Christians, something I'm sure that tempted him towards shame at times. But mercy is at the heart of the gospel. It cannot be attained by hard work, by strength, or virtue. Mercy, in fact, is only available to those who have need. And in the next verse, Paul addresses some of the ways that these false teachers had attempted to skew and change and alter God's word, to lift themselves up. They were tampering with God's word to try to make it say that if you are successful in society's eyes, then you must have God's favor. And in contrast to this, Paul openly commends himself in freedom, relying solely on the mercy of God. He says that he doesn't lose heart because of this, because the mercy of God The mercy of God is more than enough for all of us. If we are in Christ, Christ is in us, and nothing can take away the mercy of God. No matter what situation or blunder you find yourself in today, no matter what problem, the mercy of God cannot be taken away from you. God sings over you if you are His children. He adores you. Not because anything in and of yourself because of what Christ has accomplished on your behalf. It's the mercy of God to us. And it gives us strength to walk forward with Him in trust and in faith, even when we don't understand the things going on in our lives. You might have heard me talk about uh, some of our time in Japan. Our last two years were spent at a countryside church where I was doing a pastoral apprenticeship, working under two great Japanese pastors. And this church was planted in 1949 by two American missionary families who had moved to this part of Japan. And they met a woman who was open to having them meet in her home, Mrs. Ito. 
was from a wealthy family that owned silk factories in this part of the country. And they began to have church in Mrs. Ito's home. And, and the families were busy sharing the gospel with children in the neighborhood who started coming to faith and their families who started coming to faith. And one woman um, who had become a recent Christian who understood the mercy of God to her, the undeserved grace that she, she found out that she was loved by God even despite her sin, was so excited about that in an act of public defiance to the Japanese way of doing things. She took the, the shrine that most Japanese still have in their homes today. She took this shrine outside and she burned it in the street. But not everybody in the neighborhood was excited about these Christians in the neighborhood starting a church. And so every night, Mrs. Ito's home would be vandalized. And because of the honor-based culture in Japan, some of the other neighbors, even if they weren't sensitive to what the missionaries were doing, they would come over in the morning and they would apologize to Mrs. Ito. They would apologize to the missionaries. And one of them was speaking with one of the wives who said, this Japanese neighbor said, when are you guys, guys going to go home? When is this going to be too much? Surely you, can't put up, surely you can't put up with this much longer. And this, this one wife's response was so beautiful. She said, well, Jesus wasn't welcome anywhere he went. Jesus had no place <coughs> to lay his head. So I guess we won't either. We won't lose heart. We don't need to change our message. We don't need the acceptance of Japan because we are people who have been shown mercy. So we're staying and we're going to continue to show mercy to those who have not met Jesus yet. See, none of us deserve to be part of God's family. Our need doesn't disqualify us from that. In fact, openly admitting our need is, is the only way to get this mercy. In verses 3 and 4, Paul explains how the unreached world, the non-Christians in the world, uh, that the gospel has been veiled to them. He jokes about Satan being the god of this world. One of the reasons why it's so hard for people who are not believers to see and understand this is because the Jesus we worship in the gospel is the crucified Christ whose power was ultimately shown to be most glorious in his time of his greatest weakness on the cross. This is hard for the world to see, hard for the world to understand, but this is our heritage as God's people. We are tempted to think that we cannot serve God because of our sins or because of our addiction. We are no use to the church because of our depression or our social awkwardness. Some of us might even let shame about our, our physical appearance prevent us from serving. This is where they attacked Paul. And we know he was tempted to back down, but he did not because he understood his call to ministry was based, his call and identity as a Christian was based on nothing less than the mercy from God. And this is what qualifies us and this is what motivates us to serve him in his world and in the church. Yes, the mercy of God is, is what we need, is what we have, but you might think, what good am I going to be if I am in such utter confusion and depression? 
What use to the kingdom am I going to be if I am poor? I may appear to have it all together on the outside, but I am a mess on the inside. What do I do? And Paul's answer is simply this. Without our need, without our need, we don't have a gospel to preach. In verse 5, he plainly says that what we proclaim is not ourselves. We are not preaching a have-it-all-together life. We are not preaching a life of the rich and famous, a life of no suffering. We proclaim Jesus Christ, our Lord, as our Lord and ourselves as his servants. See, many, many in Corinth at this time had fallen into this, um, what's been called a hero worship mode. They were captivated by these false teachers that had come in. They had been, um, you know, if Paul had had Facebook, he would not have had as many likes as some of these other teachers. But he's okay with that because he is not preaching himself. He is preaching Christ and himself as the servant of Christ and the servant of the Corinthians. Paul worked hard as a tent maker so that he wouldn't have to take money from them. He left his social standing as a Pharisee as an educated man in Palestine to go to Corinth where this wasn't valued at all. He would have enjoyed a high social status, respect of everybody had he stayed home, but he went to Corinth where he was disdained for his appearance and he was disdained for his background. He was looked down on the very thing that would have lifted him up had he stayed home. He left all those things to become a servant of Jesus. See, our hearts can be very dark, dark places. But in verse 6, Paul explains that the same Lord who made light by the power of his word at creation is able to shine light into the darkness of our hearts. Just like he had the power to create the world at the beginning of time, he has the power to make us into new creations. It's possible that Paul was thinking about the light that shone around him on the road to Damascus as he was converted when he first received God's mercy, when he saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And like Paul, we are called to participate in this by not being ashamed of our weakness, but by trusting them to the Lord and by trusting in his strength alone. So let that be a good principle for us as we think about our resolutions in 2020. Rather than lifting up ourselves and thinking that we can do this, how will we incorporate our need for the Lord to work in us and through us into our goals this year? Paul calls himself their servant. He was a theological giant. And the more I read about Paul, the more I am impressed by him and just convinced that he was one of the most wise men that has ever lived, but he did not lord his knowledge over them. He serves them because he wants them to see Jesus, the servant of all servants. And I've really seen this, this attitude and posture play out um, in our ministry in Japan as I've become more uh, felt more freedom, felt more comfortable talking about my own need and weakness, I have seen the Lord use it for his good in the church. The Lord's given me more courage to begin talking about my sin 
and my struggles with the church and with people outside the church as well. You know, my Japanese is far from perfect, but I've found that when I preach about my ongoing sin struggles and how the Lord meets me there, people really listen. It draws them in in a compelling way and enables me to proclaim the riches of the gospel. And we can all do this, not by talking about how together we have it or by talking about um, our big plans without Jesus, but by talking about our needs, our need for the unbelievable mercy of God to us in the midst of our weakness and need. I think this is a great call to repentance. It's a call to repentance every single day for all of us to think about how we need Jesus today. If we are not repenting and seeing our own need for Jesus, we are inevitably going to be preaching something other than Him. Preaching ourselves. But, when you see in a fresh way, every day, walking in humility, aware of Jesus' mercy, aware of how He graciously has unblinded us, taken the veil away so that we can see His glory and His grace, we will have a message to share One that's instantly relatable because everybody that we are meeting and talking to in life, they are needy too. So you don't need a new gospel presentation. I think we merely need eyes this year to see God's mercy in our life today. Not the day that we became a Christian, but to see God's mercy in our life today, how we need Him today. So this is not only a call to vulnerability in our relationships and what we share and the ways that we talk with one another. This is a moment-by-moment challenge to soften our hearts, to open our eyes to see the daily mercies of God. I fear that most days go by and we we are hardly even aware. We are not the, the source of the light, but we get the blessing of being mirrors of this light to the world. Um, I shared <coughs> at the beginning about how we were so um, worried and feeling weak and needy about um, the situation with Zoe, our daughter, who was going to Japanese school and unable to speak Japanese. We prayed. That's all we knew to do. We had tried everything, and um, I just so admire my daughter and look up to her. I've learned so much from seeing how she faithfully went to school uh, when she knew she was going to be unable to communicate and unable to understand everything. I know how scary that can be. I have learned so much from watching her faithfulness going to school. And so we prayed, and we asked you to pray, and I know many of you did pray. You prayed for Zoe. And after we had been there for about two and a half years, something happened in her life. And I can't explain it to this day, but it's like, a light started to shine in her heart. And she started to speak Japanese. All of the Japanese that she had heard for the last two and a half years just started to come out of her mouth. She started to give speeches in Japanese in front of her class, and she started to volunteer to give speeches in front of the whole school. Her second grade teacher showed up on our doorstep one day to tell me a story about how he was moved to tears as he listened to her speech in class because it was so good and so and the change in her so unexplainable 
And as we've shared this story with Japanese friends who have only known the Japanese-speaking Zoe, when we tell them that Zoe used to be nonverbal in Japanese, they don't even believe us. Her teacher has told us um, since that Zoe be- has become the mood maker for the entire class. And so I talk about this because it's a story of our complete and utter need. We had, there was no way out of this except for trusting in Christ. And I know you all have these situations in your life today. They are opportunities to trust in God's provision. As we hold tight to our identity as those who have received mercy, those who are loved and adored by Him, it's a great call for us to trust Him in our weaknesses and our needs. Jesus is awesome, friends. Jesus is awesome, so you don't have to be. You can admit your needs and weaknesses because when we do that, we make much of the love of Christ. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we bow before you. All glory and power and majesty belong to you, yet you, you gave these things up to sit with us in our weaknesses, to join us in our need, and we praise your name. We struggle to understand what you are doing in our lives. We run from our burdens and we often try to ignore the pain But as we have seen this morning, you are using it for your glory. We ask you to help us. Help us to give our needs to you. By faith, we trust you to be our strength. That we might bear witness to your goodness and your power to a watching world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.